Hello and welcome to the Red Lips and Stilettos podcast. Red Lips and Stilettos is an industry hub and creative space for the beauty professionals. My name is Kerry Lee and I'm the founder of Red Lips and Stilettos. Here we are giving you, as the beauty professional, a voice to be heard within our industry. We serve to help connect you to the beauty professionals who have been there, done that, and experienced a world and more of what our professional beauty industry has to offer. Building a makeup empire to becoming CEO of an international skincare brand, on this podcast we are bringing success stories right to your ears every single week. Our guest today is Karen Bester. Karen has a degree in nursing and has a specific passion for skin. She has experience in psychiatry, neurosurgery, trauma, ICU, and spent three years working as a burn specialist, giving her an advanced wound care speciality. Moving from a purely medical profession into a medical aesthetic field was an incredible opportunity and the start of a brand new journey. Even after 16 years in her current field, she is regularly asked if she misses nursing. While there are certain areas that make her nostalgic for her nursing days, she loves the finesse and glamour of the beauty industry. This does not take away from her passion to provide answers to questions and skin challenges, providing her with many moments of triumph and great reward in a role as a medical trainer at Lamal. Welcome to the Red Lips and Stilettos podcast, Karen. Welcome to the Red Lips and Stilettos podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you for inviting me. Well, thank you for joining. I can't wait to to hear all about your your journey and your career and everything that you have to share with us today. Stunning. Perfect. Yeah, interesting to talk about yourself, hey. I'm always so focused on talking about my products, but I suppose it is important to introduce myself to the industry as well. Of course. <laughs> and Yeah, I think it's um, important also for you to to reflect on how far you've come because I think when you mm. when you're in it, you actually mm. forget you forget what it, what everything you've accomplished, you know? So it's good to reflect yeah. on that. Oh, that's very very true. Very 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 true. Awesome. Well, I'd love to hear all about your career and the steps which led to where you are today. But let's start right at the beginning of how did you actually enter into the beauty industry? Well, that is a it, – it, I don't know if it's an interesting story, but I'm going to tell it anyway. So um, my background is I studied nursing. I've got a degree in nursing, and, of course, I – worked as a nurse, but I found in that, in, in nursing, it was very hard to get yourself promoted, to get a bigger position. So I could see myself being a nurse for 20 years, but I was a little bit more dynamic and I needed a little bit more. So I left the nursing industry and worked for a medical company at that stage. I worked in medical aids. And then the last position I actually had in medicine was working for a company where I was the burn specialist. Um, I worked, it was a medical pharmaceutical company that sold um, burn products. Um, and that industry, I, I have never, it was, it was hard work. I've never learned so much about myself. I learned to sell. The company was really good at, at giving training, which was, um, of course, very advantageous. And um, I then, I, I left that job without really knowing what I was going to do, which is hair-raising because I had three children to support at that stage. Wow. But 
I, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't sure where I was going to go. But then a friend of mine said that her brother is starting a little company in the beauty industry. And I was like, okay, this beauty industry. So what I knew about beauty was actually, and that stage it was pure beauty industry. It was, we, we, there was, there were, um, there were companies that were dabbling in the medical aesthetic portion of it. Um, but it was still very spa. I don't know if you remember, there was the Beauty Africa show. There was a lot of makeup and spa. Um, and peels had just started being um, um, brought in at that stage. I'm talking early 2000s here. Yeah. Um, and I joined a little company and we sold uh, a product that we imported from Germany. That company doesn't exist anymore. Um, but that was really my first step into this industry and to be totally honest i never thought that i would find it so interesting and that it would be so dynamic and i've now been i've in, been in this industry nearly 20 years um i've worked for lamel for 40 no this is my 14th year so um and i mean if you think if i think about it if i think back about it before coming to lamel i changed jobs every three years that was sort of the the, the standard. After three years, I was bored and I needed something else. So I would move on again. Um, and I joined Lamal in 2007. Um, as there, at that stage, I was, I was really um, the salesperson that did the Mattioli machines. You might know the Papita, which has got a really good name. Yeah. Um, microdermabrasion machines. That's what I was employed as. Um, and then, yeah, I got my own area. I was in sales for 10, 12 years, and two years ago, I was employed as the medical trainer at Lamal. So oh, wow. It was really serendipitous. It was, not, it was not planned at all. That was not my focus. But that's incredible how, like you were saying before, you, you, know, you spent three years in a job and then you changed to another job. To be mm. in a company for 14 years says a lot about the company, well, I think the advantage to and and what I love about Lamel, firstly, what I love about this industry is the constant. The I know that you sometimes go, but the technology is still the same. But there's constant change. There's constant development. There, um, it changes much faster than medicine does. And I and I know looking from the inside out, you might not feel that, but our clients drive improvement they want something better they want something more and and that's really what I love about Lamel as well is as soon as I think I know everything Dr. Bradley will come up with a new concept or a new ingredient or they'll there'll be more research on for instance um, pigmentation with pigmentation we know that there are six steps but uh, to pigmentation production or six triggers to pigmentation production, there are more now because research has has found that we're not we're still not doing everything we can. So it's an extremely dynamic company that I work for, and also a very dynamic industry. Yeah, but that's what makes it exciting. That's what makes you because yes. every day or every week, it's always something new, um, yes. you know, and something to to strive on. 
Um, mm. But I wanted to ask you, so you said that you were in sales for the first couple of years. How, what was your experience mm. like with that? So I am, and anybody, if you think that you can't sell, I promise you, you can. <laughs> I am totally a relationship seller. So I am not the kind of person that walks into a salon and goes, you need me, you have to have me. Here's your order for 20,000 Rand, take it. Um, I am. I, I loved selling because of the fact that I got to know people um, and um, we, I'm very loyal. I, I still am very loyal to my clients, and my clients are very loyal to me. Um, it is an, it is a, a task where you do get to know a lot of people. You also get to know yourself very well. And I think every job has its frustrations, and it is about managing your frustrations. Um, and I really do believe that. My job is to, as a salesperson and even as a medical trainer right now, my job is to problem solve. So if I am able to give you the best option for your challenge, regardless of what that might be. So it might be that you're struggling to grow your business. You're struggling to sell um, retail products. You, um, you are struggling to get to the next tier to get a better discount. Those are all problems that I can solve for you. Um, it might be that you've got a client that you've been seeing for three or four months and her, whatever her challenge is is not budging. That's a problem. I can solve that problem for you. So I've always gone from the point of view that now I my, my um, the tool that I use um, to solve your problem is knowledge. There I would either have problems and uh, products or a better business management tool or a course that you could go on. Um, and, and that's what keeps it inter interesting. So you, I, I know that, I know that people think that I don't, I actually don't know what therapists think about salespeople. I, 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 I get that. I got the idea that they thought we have the ideal job and we just wander around and say, look how pretty by this. But there's a lot. There's a lot that goes into selling. You know that. No, definitely. You know, you have to know your product. You have to know your client. You have to know the client's needs. Um, so it isn't, and and I think no sales job in the current environment is purely order taking. Um, those 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 salespeople went away. The people with the suitcases full of stock. But they would just go, what do you want to buy from me? That doesn't work. No. Um, so also still very dynamic. Um, I, I actually still do love traveling. I know that people are astounded at the, I, I think, um, and that's the biggest change for me was, I, I promise you, when I came into this, into this position, my body actually got sore from sitting in front of a computer because we're so used to being in and out of a car um, I do about 5,000 kilometers a, a month on my car. Now I'm not doing that, which is great. I don't think anybody is, thank goodness. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it, um, it really is an, it's, it's interesting. Um, I did it because I needed to um, have a better, um, I had to make a better income for my family. That's where it started. Um, but then when you're in there and you're passionate about what you do, um, it's actually easy to do your job. No, that's, that's so true. 
And then when you had the transition from being in sales to being the medical trainer for Lamal, um, mm. what, how was that? How, how did you handle that, that catalyst, that change? Well, it, uh, knowledge has always been, to me, knowledge is, now let me start from, from, from the other side. As a professional, your best tool and the thing that gives you the biggest edge is your knowledge. So I have always believed that I need to make sure that the therapists that I work with have everything at their fingertips that they are going to need to look at a skin and make a good decision about what products that skin needs. And for that, you need knowledge. So I've always been very much into training my therapists um, I have an, an absolute obsession about information. Um, and I think I was talking to somebody other the day is that I know what I don't know. I know what I know, but I know what I don't know. And there, there's so much that I don't know. So I'm obsessed about finding the information. Um, so initially, what I actually found the hardest was not to have the face-to-face -face contact with clients. Um, but the, everything else has been fantastic. I um, love putting presentations together. I love making sure that um, people have what they need. So I do understand that some people just want to know what the product feels like, what it looks like, and that it's what it's going to feel like on their skins. But then there are other skincare therapists that want to know the anatomy, the physiology, the pathophysiology, how every ingredient interacts with a cell. And I can give you whatever you need from that. And then also the representatives and distributors that work with me, um, I'm very passionate in keeping them up to date as well. So, and that's something that nobody can steal from you. Um, yeah. So it is, it is very much, I, I feel knowledge is, is, is not even gold, it's platinum. Yeah. So the transition physically and from a contact point of view was hard. Um, but otherwise, I, I really, really do love what I do at the moment. And then, of course, I get to have conversations with you guys and I'm doing lives and I've, it's changed completely into a Zoom in, or an online environment. We don't even use Zoom anymore, but um, that, that was hard. That was a challenge. Yeah. I actually wanted to, to ask you about that the since last year, since COVID. Mm -hmm. um, how has that affected your you and the way that you do your business? It has. I, luckily, I work for a very dynamic com company. So when we went into lockdown, I immediately was able to take all the – so. I used to do training in every city on a every other city on a Monday. So um, the one thing that it's changed is I don't have to get up at four to get on an aeroplane on a Monday morning, which is really <laughs> great. I can imagine. But, um, so uh, and and we'd already started working with online tools just to keep our staff and our distributors up to date and sharing information. So. It was something that I had done to a little extent. It was very, very hard for me not to get feedback when I'm doing training. Now, if you are ever, ever able to come to one of my training sessions, I am extremely animated. Um, I'm continually moving and um, I am 
and and you draw on the feedback of the room. So you, I would adjust the training to what my audience needed. And that's the biggest challenge at the moment is um, I don't know. I know that probably 90% of my class is concentrating, but I do know that some people have a phone on and they're listening to me in the background, which is great, but I don't get that feedback. I don't get that. I, I, I'm, I'm worried about what you say. You know, you can look at a room and you can see people are frowning. Maybe the information you gave them was, either not adequate or it was um, they're not seeing your point of view where now I can't see that so I have to rely very highly on hoping that somebody will say I actually don't get what you're saying will you please repeat that yeah it's quite um, challenging and that's hard mm. it's actually that's... really challenging after being like a presenter and, mm. and seeing your audience and being able to mirror them and and give get yeah. feedback you know instant feedback compared to all the cameras are switched off, muted, <laughs> and you don't really know, you don't really know what kind of feedback you are getting or what they are receiving. Not um, at all. So how do you overcome those challenges? I've actually become very um, used, I've, I've become very used now to talking to myself and talking to my screen. Um I think my concentration levels are a little bit better because I am listening to what I say. You know, sometimes you do go as a trainer when you repeat something very often. Um, you do tend to go a little bit into automatic mode. Yeah. Um, I do ask for if there is any feedback. And in, in many, many cases, people will give me feedback or they'll go, I'm okay. Or, um, you know, but it is, it's hard with a class of 50. The advantage, though, to be working electronically is that I can now record a lot of what I do. So, um, for instance, our introductory um, training, we do um, provide those recordings to people. I must just realize it is, um, I call it warts and all. So if somebody walks in the room or if a dog barks or a hardy dog flies by, you're going to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's not, it's not um, recorded in a... Um, area where there's absolutely no noise and I, I don't work according to a strict script so the training might change a little bit in every session um, but it does mean that people can actually take those sessions and they can watch them over and over again until they are happy with the information where before with the training that I did before um, you'd have to attend every session and I would only do um, so we have six modules um, of, of um, specialized training, which is a four-hour session. You would have to – I would only do those sessions once a year in each region. So if you yeah. missed it, you would need to wait a whole year before you could do it again. Um, though you do – I mean, you have your reps that you can ask and you can rely on, but – I find that our, our access to information is now much better. So there are definitely advantages to what we're doing right now. And I don't think, I know people go, when will everything be back to normal? Um, I really do believe that this is now normal. Um, and also my reach is so much bigger. You know, I've got people from our African countries, Botswana, Kenya, um, Benin, um, mm. all of those areas that are now joining the training where 
they would also be really reliant on um, only having access to me maybe once every two or three years because I don't travel to those areas that often. Um, so yeah. there are the disadvantage is the feedback. The advantage is the fact that you've got so much more that you're able to offer. Yeah, and with you, you say that you think this is the new normal. So you don't mm. think that it will be back to? Do you, do you think there's going to be a time frame, or what's your opinion? Do you think we're going to go back to in-person training <laughs> eventually? Like next week, <laughs> this, li- this <laughs> lifetime, maybe. <laughs> Just laughter. I think that when we can, we will definitely do. I, I will definitely love to do um, the the in person sessions again, and 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 we will go back to that. But I think we will always have an element of electronic um, access. And what I really love, um, we're working now with a company called Cisco Webex. Um, and they're able to record the sessions when they are live for me. So I will I will probably have an area where if if, if I'm in Bloemfontein, you will be able to access that training um, via your cell phone or your or your computer. So it, it there will be elements of both in what we do in the future. Um, yeah, and I yeah. think that electronic communication is really a phenomenal tool. Um, and I mean, you, we're using it now with the podcast. We can reach so many people with this. Um, yeah. You know, it is your, your, your reach is just phenomenal. So I, I don't think we'll ever go. We, I, it will never be a situation where I'm only doing face to face. I will do face to face and online. Yeah, I think I'm, I, I can't wait to get back to face to face, but I think it's going to be a year or two before we get there. Yeah, no, I was going to say, I think um, since last year, everyone's had to, you know, accelerate their online learning or their, you know, their social media presence. Um, but th- there's definitely people are missing human interaction mm. and human connection. Mm. Um, and I don't think that we, we're going to just let that you know let this be the new normal i think Mm. it will be a couple of years but but people i'm missing human interaction i'm missing talking to people you know now it's everyone's so afraid Um, yeah but but yeah yeah no 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 definitely and i think that's one of the things that if i think back to when we went into lockdown last year um one of the things that um, the reps were complaining was is they were going I just need a massage I just need someone to touch me or I just need to touch someone um, and I think in our industry that is something that um, we are we would never be able to do an, uh, a treatment kind of regime where we're not physically in contact with people we crave um, touching you know and yeah and, you have to go. We have to go back to that. Luckily, the salons are able to do their work. Um, I, I, I was devastated when I saw what happened in Britain with all the salons being closed. I know. That's very know. hard. They've been closed for nearly a year. I mean, I think yeah. they had about three months where they could work, mm. but but they've been completely shut down, which is mm. it's heartbreaking. When you know the industry and you know those you know, those sole traders and everything that they're having to deal with that they can't actually do their job. Yeah. 
Um, no, it's, but South Africa is, I'm glad South Africa hasn't been affected. Our industry hasn't been affected that way. They've been able to, to work. Mm. And that's also yeah. something that I have to give kudos to Lamal for. We, we, uh, we only, we were really shut down for a month last year. Um, we started, um, and, and when we heard that we were going to go into lockdown, um, our directors decided that we would have a process of delivering. So a therapist can order products for her client and we will deliver it to the client's door. So we can't give them the treatments that way, but at least we could create an environment where your, your clients could still access their products and that's still continuing on. So we realize that people are not going to salons. That they don't want, there are people who can't afford to be um, going to shops and salons and getting their products. So we continue to do that. Um, and it also meant that our skincare therapists could at least earn their income on those products. Yeah. So uh, I think that helped. And that's helped Lamel grow in this environment. We've grown our, our, we've grown our business. Um, and we've also been able to continue to service patient, um, our patients or our end users, as well as making sure that our, salons continue to run their businesses um even if it isn't i mean i know that your profit margins on products aren't that high they're higher on pro on, on treatments but still make that 20 rand you know <laughs> no exactly everything counts now i think yes oh definitely definitely yeah excellent and karen with um with all your experience over the last couple of years um uh, in the medical industry, in the beauty industry, um, what have been the top three hardest lessons that you have had to learn? The top three hardest lessons that I've had to learn. I think my my hardest lesson is always that I, I um I don't know if it's a hard lesson though, but it's something that I've come to rely on is trust your gut. I have. You know, sometimes you just know that this is going to be a challenge, and then it is. And I've had yeah. to learn hard lessons there. Um, so that's number one. <clears throat> Excuse me. Number two is ask yourself the question that you're going to ask a client, because sometimes we say things and assume that someone will pick up on what we're saying. So my biggest one there is I – there's a big difference in answer to do you have sunscreen and are you wearing sunscreen daily? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, <laughs> so sometimes we have to be, be wary of our words. Um, so that would probably be my lesson number two. Lesson number three I, I I don't have any really big philosophies to spew. I think, um, yeah, I don't, I don't want to say be careful. Be careful for of what you wish for. Um, I I yeah. I, Why do you I, say I, that? No, no, no. Because sometimes you do go. I wish my business would grow, and then it does. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I wish my groups would be bigger, and then they are. So um, that's, but that's not a lesson. That's just something that, you know, that's a philosophy. Um, I, I can say what has done, what has stood me in good stead always is that 
um, it, your attitude really is what makes how you how successful or unsuccessful you are in life. Um, and I think a, a, it, it's not necessarily a lesson that I've had to learn in a negative way, but it is a lesson that I have known. Uh, you know, sometimes you hear, and this is for those salespeople, sometimes somebody has a bad rap in, a, in the industry. So, you know, they are categorized as a difficult person, for instance. And you might be terrified to walk into that door. But when you walk into that door with the right attitude, that person will become your best friend. Um, so don't always listen to what other people say. <laughs> Make up yeah. your own mind. I think that's probably the biggest lesson I've learned um, in the, in yeah. this industry. And have fun, damn it. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I like that. And yeah. just to di dive into what you were saying about having um, the right attitude, how, how would you recommend or advise someone who maybe doesn't have the best attitude, who wants to improve it or learn how to have a better attitude? Do you have any like tips on, on someone who, who could do that or how they could do that? This year, I have decided. Even though I mean, I'm now, I'm now, turn, I'm turning fifty-two, so I'm really an old lady right now. But anyway, I um, this year, <laughs> I found last year one of the the things that was really bad for me is that I did, I wasn't growing. So personally and professionally, I just was doing what I needed to do to survive. So this year is my year of growth, and what I have found is that. If you are aware of what you're thinking and what you're feeling inside every situation, that's the first, that's, and, and if you're aware of the person's response to you, that's the first step to growth. So you actually have to be aware of, and depending on what, what kind of um, psychology you're looking at or what kind of theory you're working with, um, if you are aware that you're irritated, so be aware of what you're feeling when you go into an interaction. So if you go into an interaction irritated, see what that client does in response and learn from that because you can, you can change. If you change how you are feeling and what you are thinking in a situation, you can actually change the patient's response to you and that will then grow you. So um, I like to work with um, a theory that's as old as the hills. It talks about trans uh, relational transactions where there, there are three states. So there's adult, child, um, adult, child, and parent state. I'm sure you've heard about this, where if you are yeah. constantly parenting people, people will react like children. And what we want to do is we want to always be in adult state. So we want to think about a situation. We, we don't want to be throwing tantrums. We want to be in control of a situation. We want to also, all relationships are give and take. So you have to be able to decide what is, what is this relationship and do I want to keep this relationship? Because sometimes... You might want to be irritated in a relationship because you don't need it, but I don't think that's true for anybody. But so it is very much about realizing that if you can walk into every situation and be clear headed and of sound mind, 
as an adult and you listening to the other person, you can help them without moving into a state where you're either parenting or you being a child in the relationship. Um, that's just a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it goes so much further, but it is very much. I think the first thing that if you have been, you might have been told by one of your bosses that your attitude is bad. Look at your situation and look at your interactions of, and, and in, in, which page, in which situations they are grading you as well. Because sometimes there, is, there are always three sides to a story. But be aware. And, and, and then there are so many, there are, there's so much information available at the moment. There are so many resources um, you can do a lot of free online courses about, and literally, if you put into your into Google, changing my attitude, I'm sure there'll be six things that come up. They'll bug you forever, but you know, um, yeah. <laughs> do the exercises, yeah, yeah. go on the courses, look at what works for you. Um, we can. Yeah, I know. I like what you. I like what you said there with um, mm. being aware. And I think being being how, what I often train is when when you are self aware, you are you already know how mm. you are being perceived, and you can read into mm. that situation, you know, or in, you you know what their opinion is of you mm. if you are one hundred percent self aware. And I do think that also will reflect on instead of having that yes. victim mode, you know, being in victim mode, you will actually. You will want to take action. Uh, yeah, <laughs> definitely. I got told the terrible thing about victim mode the other day. Apparently, there's another theory that talks about you're either the victim, the persecutor, or the perpetuator. So I'm like, but those are all three negative things. <laughs> yeah. <Can I> not? <laughs> anyway, um, moving along from theories, that is so true. Is is. Yeah, it's just being being aware. And then on the other side, um, people's opinion of you is not as important as people's response to you. So I, I and I know we make we 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 make opinions of people very, very quickly. Like within I think it's something like twenty seconds of meeting someone, you've already decided who they are. Um but yeah. your behavior can change that. So very important. So that's that's quite important as well. Yeah, I think. Um, but that's that's where being self-aware mm. is important because you already know what your huh? first impression is. So even if you look like whatever, um, for me it was often like a, a oh, copy, yeah, like a dumb blonde. But as soon, yeah, and then I would I would take that, I would use that, and then I would I would you know arrive with knowledge. Or I would be able to explain my anatomy very well, and then then the credibility starts to build. So that's where being, I think, self-aware is so important. But then also knowing that your first impression is yes. changeable, and also that um, you you um, there was something else. Your your first impression is definitely changeable, um, and sometimes you can use what people might perceive to your advantage. Um, and in the end, it it really is. Um, it is what you make of it. So, yeah, be aware yeah. and do and and also be aware of what your goal is. I think that's something that, for, just from a personal level, um, I sometimes don't 
uh, I don't always have clear in my mind because I'm so caring. So, you know, if I can just have an interaction with someone and I can love and adore them and solve their problems for them. Um, but ultimately, what are you what are you wanting to achieve with what, what you are doing? Are you wanting to achieve good skin for the patient or are you just working towards selling a, a, a product? Um, because those two, that, that, that is a total switch. If you are there to treat your patient well and give them a, a, a resolution, then money doesn't come into it, which is also where I find um, a lot of girls have fear of people and fear of what people are going to spend. And, you know, you, you need to be aware of those things as well so that you can tackle them and use them to your advantage. Yeah. Um, yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Transformational selling Definitely. versus transactional selling. Yeah. And Corin, what is wow. next for you? <laughs> I just I just want to go back into field <laughs> and, and um you know be be teaching people face to face. I think that's a big thing. No, well what is next for me with regards to my career? I am very happy where I am at the moment. Um I think there's so much um stuff going on so um, yesterday I did some filming for a TV program. I would like to do a lot more live interactions. I love this um, the podcast idea as well. Um, and, yeah, so it is very much about developing and making sure that we stay relevant with our training. I think that's my biggest my biggest job in, in what I'm doing right now. Um, the next three years I'm spending on getting my daughter through university. So that's, that's how I plan for my personal life. Um, and, yeah, I think it is yeah. um, just aiming for the stars but also keeping in consideration what's happening in the world um, and just being cognizant of that as well. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, best of luck with that. And lastly, Karen, is there anything that you would like to share with our listeners about Lamal or about you or where we can find you um, just so that they, they know exactly where that you can go and follow Stunning. you on Instagram? So my, my professional Instagram page is called skin at skin.answers. Um, I've only created it um, recently, so it isn't very active right now. You can also join my personal page, but I'm trying to steer all my work and skin-related things to the Skin Answers page. Um, and then our, if you okay. want to get hold of Lamal or if you need more information on Lamal, our website is has got a lot of info on it. There are also, if you've got questions specifically towards stocking the products, there is a little, um, there's a little chat with us um, box, um, and you can send us which um, geographic area you are in and we can always send a rep to come and speak to you um, and look at what your needs are with regards to stocking and and, and what you want to stock from Lamal. So that's the easiest way to get hold of um, more information on Lamal. And yeah, I think that's, um, we've got, I mean, we are on Instagram and Facebook as well. So you're welcome to chat to us on those ways as well. They're both just um, I think it's Lamal RSA, um, and um, I think on Facebook it's just Lamal. So Lamal Research Laboratories, sorry, is on there. 
Thank you, thank you so much for joining me today, Karen. It was such an a refreshing. <laughs> thank you, Kerry. Um, I I really enjoyed that. Um, it was interesting to talk about myself and and the industry. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode on the Red Lips and Stilettos podcast. If you loved listening to this episode as much as I loved recording it for you, then please support our little business by subscribing to this podcast. And for extra brownie points, share this episode with someone you know in the beauty industry who will enjoy it too. This podcast is here for you, the beauty professional. If you know of someone or if you feel that you would be a great fit for the podcast, pop me a message or a DM on the gram and I would love to share your voice and your story on the Red Lips and Stilettos podcast. Until next time, pro beauty industry, stay ahead, stay smiling and stay connected. You are appreciated.